Welcome, everyone. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And it's just Pat and I, I shouldn't say just us. We are the stars of the show. He's the great author that got me to this recognition throughout the world called Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the you're Movie. Too kind. You're, you're, you're too kind, my friend. No, if, no. It wasn't, if it wasn't for your story... Yeah, but, uh, we yeah, but, <laughs> so, well, but you you did you wrote it so eloquently that it's being translated as you're going to bring up later, even in Russia. <laughs> yes, okay. In fact, well, we will we will start off with that uh, this evening. We have uh, one of our favorite shows, which is uh, emails. We answer uh, listener emails, and we're always excited about that. The mail. Uh, a, a, a couple of things. We uh, offer some congratulations to Gianni Russo on becoming a grandfather for the eleventh time. Yes. I must be very proud. My uh, daughter, Adriana. Congratulations. That's my, well, uh, my, yeah, my, my two, well, my two daughters have one son each so far, Graydon and Adriana. I mean, well, uh, I don't, even know, I don't know if they even named the kid. It's Adriana's son, but I don't know his name yet. When, when was he born? This weekend. Oh, okay. Well, I have time. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, can, they can wait till the kid's 18. You can pick his own name. There you go. Yeah. Okay, uh, so we're doing emails. I, I, I have one uh, public service announcement. If you live in Russia and uh, you'd like to send us an email, please use Google Translator or some other translating software because we either got four or five emails from uh, uh, Russia or and surrounding countries uh, for this week. And uh, we're lucky Johnny and I can speak English. Yeah. Okay, so... I'm still learning. Uh, so, so you know, we we like to answer your questions, of course, or, or at least comment on what you have to say. Can't do it if we can't read it. So uh, that's just uh, some advice. Okay, we shall start. This one is for me, Patrick. What is your most bizarre incident while you were in the NYPD? Uh, I must confess that I read this email because it's the first one. I haven't read the rest of them, but I, I had to think about that because police work, I, I spent 20 years in the NYPD, all of it was bizarre. So if, if I have to pick out something that was really strange, I will refer to a story that I gave to a an author about probably 10 years ago that was writing a book about the same subject, Odd Police Encounters. I, I forget what the name of the book was, and they sought me out. And I said, can you come up with something that will be interesting for the reader? So I relate the following story. I was in a tactical patrol force, as all, all regular listeners know, and that's mostly foot patrol. And we're on a foot patrol in the East Village. It was a fall night. It was rainy. It was miserable. And my partner and I are out in the middle of the street stopping cars, because that's what TPF did. We're looking to make arrests. Stop a car, see what we got, what kind of feeling we get, maybe uh, score a gun couple of DUIs, whatever it is. But most of the time, TPF uh, officers did car stops. So down the block comes this car. And it's raining like crazy. You know, if you had any sense, we'd be hiding somewhere. But no, we were outside <laughs> stopping cars. The guy rolls down the window, and I'm looking at this guy. Drunk as a skunk, by the way. He opens up the window, and I got a whiff of booze that made me high. 
Uh, I mean, he was loaded. And I'm looking at this guy, and I know his face from somewhere, and I can't place it. So naturally, you ask for the paperwork, license, uh, registration, and insurance card. He hands me the license, and lo and behold, now I'm going to date myself here, and some of you uh, who are listening to this will undoubtedly know who it is, or at least by the character he portrayed on television. This was Jay Silverheels. Now, who's Jay Silverheels? I don't even know that. Oh, I thought you would know that. That was that was Tonto in The Lone Ranger. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't watch television. See, well... Oh yeah, you were yeah, you, I, I, you were sort I, I, of a. I was on the street already. I mean, in the well, hospital for five years, the street, there was no television. Either you were on the street, or you were in a Bellevue polio ward. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm saying so. There I was, and then I came out at twelve, and then I was yeah. at the Cobra at fifteen, yeah, sixteen every night. Yeah, that was after he was twelve. But anyway, uh, uh, for those of you who aren't aware of this, the Lone Ranger was an iconic fictional character. There's been uh, the, the television series lasted many, many years. It was in the 1950s uh, into the early 60s. Clayton Moore played him. By the way, Clayton Moore wrote uh, his autobiography, and guess who his agent was? Frank Wyman? Frank Wyman. I right? love it. The guy is everywhere. And mm -hmm. and he knew I was a, a great uh, uh, Lone Ranger fan, so Frank sent me a couple of copies of the book when it came out. He, he recalled that I mentioned one time. He sent me some autographed copies. Uh, now, and Frank, I was, well, I, the Long Ranger was the guy with the mask, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was, a white horse uh, and, and so an Indian, uh, Indian companion called Tonto. His faithful Indian companion, Tonto. Anyway, after the series, there were several uh, uh, feature films uh, made of the Long Ranger, a movie serial. a very popular character. Anyway, at that time and thereafter, anybody who, who grew up during the 50s absolutely and watched television. Absolutely knows who the Lone Ranger was. And Tonto is sitting behind a wheel. Uh, and, you know, we always relate. That's probably why you didn't recognize me. You should have been in a saddle, not in a car seat. Either that or, or wearing <laughs> Indian stuff. I mean, the guy wore buckskins, you know. Now he's so friggin' drunk, he can hardly even talk. And uh, I don't want to be the one that's going to arrest Tonto. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. You know, so I love I it. You know, who else? I said, look at the license. I showed him a license. He was basically unrecognizable with, without his costume and his, uh, uh, and, and his you know, pancake makeup. They they darkened the skin a little. He had a feather in his hair. He was yeah. driving in civvies. So he said, holy shit, this is Tonto. And we're talking to the guy, but he wasn't, he wasn't very communicative. He was trying, but he was so loaded that he couldn't speak very well. So I said, I, I, I just can't do this. But at the same time, I want to talk to the guy. So, uh, uh, I said, I, I, I didn't want to see him drive, without a doubt, because I didn't want to be the one to open up the paper the next day and yeah, see Tonto wrap himself around an L pillar on the Williamsburg Bridge. You know, yeah. and I, I couldn't live with myself. I said, you're going to have to get out of the car. So we take him. We left the car, double parked, and we went into uh, a coffee shop. There's nobody out. I mean, it's, it's raining. It's like a monsoon. So we give him coffee, and he's sort of sobering up. And uh, he starts going into his time. He wasn't that sober. He starts going into his character role, I who spoke it. broken English. And, like you know, Asabi, it was just King Asabi type things. Yeah, the King Asabi thing. And he, he, he was, you know, uh, me drive home safely. I mean, the guy was uh, obviously an American. Anyway, uh, we, we go outside and uh, he was he, he was throwing up. And uh, anyway, we, we, we let the guy go uh, after we, we poured like a gallon of coffee into him. And at the end of every Lone Ranger show, uh, 
the, the, the people who the Lone Ranger helped at the end of the, the episode, they would say the same thing. They would look at each other and say, who was that masked man? And they would hold up a bullet. Was the Lone Ranger always carried a silver bullet. There was something to identify him with was that silver bullet. Not that there was a lot of masked men riding white horses through the West in the 1880s, but that was the shtick, you know? And so uh, the boss comes along, the sergeant comes along, and says, you guys were out for a long time. I mean, he was trying to find us on a radio and we weren't listening oh, to the okay, guy. Okay. So he said, I said, well, we had this guy and we, we, you know, it was a DUI. We didn't want to lock him up. And he said, well, who was that guy? And he just walked right into that line, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I said, I don't know, but he left me this. And I looked out at my shoe and he threw up on my shoe. Oh my God. And I, and then I told him it was, it was, uh, it was Jay Silver Hills. Uh, anyway, that's, that's my oddest story. I mean, I have a lot of violent things to talk about. But but this was the funniest thing I thought. That was nice, though. Uh, yeah, it was nice, you know. Okay, moving right no, along. <laughs> yeah, I guess you had to be there. Anyway, uh, we've got a long, long letter here, and I'm going to read all of it. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll read the, uh, the salient parts. Hi, my name is Tomas Semakar, and I'm from Slovenia. I've seen you in the Godfather long before I came across the interviews. Uh, all, all meeting the podcast uh, and uh, after your, your book launched in 2019, revealing uh, an amazing full life that you led. It was truly amazing, almost unbelievable. For some reason, I'm absolutely certain that everything you're saying is real. Yes, we can attest to that. And so could the lawyers at St. Mons Press. That said, uh, it goes on to say what a precious piece of world history you hold. And it's uh, so much value. And I'm so happy you decided to share it. I think you managed to resolve generations of suspicion, doubt uh, about many things, which is cathartic for many people around the world. And he goes into his parents for a little while. Uh, and uh, he says, you, you brought much needed peace in many people's hearts. And I sincerely thank you for that. But I'm actually writing to you for another reason. Uh, and he goes on, I'm looking for the right paragraph here. So forgive me if there's some dead air. Uh Is that you're looking for paragraph sound? Uh. Yeah, I'm looking for the, the end of this because this thing is very long. Okay, he has a podcast in Slovenia. Ah. And he says, uh, I would truly want you to, he's inviting you on a podcast. I would, especially, I'd love to ask you about your mindset, worldview, your approach to things, your relationship uh, with yourself and other people. How do you see women in today's society, relationship with them? Uh, what do you think being a real man really means? Perhaps a younger, what, uh, some things that the younger generations are missing. Importance of mentorship. He also goes on to say that he was very impressed with the last line in the book, which, if you recall, was, yes, you can. Oh, yeah. Yep, very recall. impressed with that. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing the podcast would be absolutely amazing for me and our community here. Please let me know if that's possible in any scenario under any conditions. Best regards and greetings uh, to New York from Slovenia, Tomas Semakar. And I have his name and phone number, and obviously I have his email address. So would you be interested in going on Tomas's podcast? Yes, I would. And now just from my own, is Slovenia where the vampires come from? 
No, that's Transylvania. Oh, okay, okay. But if I'll, you want to, if you want to donate blood while you're there, I'm sure no, you can I don't it. want. That's why. That's why I wanted to know what else I had to give up doing the podcast. It's, 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 it's used to be part of the Eastern Bloc, you know, uh, uh, when it was the Soviet Union. When it became Russia, uh, Slovenia is a uh, uh, a democratic country. Let's, uh, let's do it. At least it is this week with Putin. Who knows? Hello. You know, let's do it. Take, why not? Anyway, I will pass that information on to you. Please. But that was very, he said very nice things about you. And I'll, I'll forward the whole email to you. I couldn't possibly read everything. This thing has to be six pages long. Oh, wow. My God. Okay. Okay. Hello, Gianni. And then parentheses and Pat. She didn't forget me. Good. This is from, this is from Gia. I have a few questions as diverse as your lives are. You mentioned me meeting uh, Audrey Hepburn early on, but haven't commented concerning her. What are your impressions? Also, I am shocked, and this is very timely, and you're probably aware of this, Johnny. Also, I am shocked to read about the rise of polio cases in the U.S. and the U.K. Oh, wow, what yeah. are you feeling now hearing this? Your early experience is a lesson. I don't know how you got through it and not hearing f uh, from your family. You are made of strong stuff, clearly. Love your singing also. That's Gia from Australia. Wow, okay. Well, thank you, Gia well, from Australia. And, you, want uh, you want to address Audrey first? Oh yeah, well Audrey Hepburn, I, I only knew her by name, and then I would just for our audience that doesn't realize how I knew her. I used to get an envelope around nine o'clock from Carmine, who was the maitre d' at the Copacabana. How old were you? I was. I, that started when I was like fifteen, and okay. I would and I would go get flowers for the table when they first said it. I had the envelope. And I said to Carmen, where's the flower shop? And he laughed at me. <laughs> he said, it's the Barbizon Finishing School and Hotel on 62nd and Lexington. It's right on the corner. It's still there. And at that yeah. time, it was only for women. And they, you know, they, and most prominent family couldn't afford to send their girls there to stay. They came here to go to finishing school, like Luella Parsons and all of that. And a lot of them went on to become famous actresses like Audrey Hepburn. Another girl that was with her one night, which I got to know for years later, was Grace Kelly. And um, it was that kind of you know society and people who went on to become stars. So I would go, I would say two or three times a week to go get flowers for the table. Which were the women. Which were the women. So after nine o'clock, the floor monitor, I'd go upstairs and asked for him, and in the lobby where men were not allowed up, I'd give him the envelope, and then whoever wanted to come out and have dinner with some friends of Mr. Costello's and Earl Wilson, which they always wanted to be around. He was a big columnist. Yeah, and it was a good time to get named at you who was seen, the young starlet at, the, at Sinatra's opening at the Copa last night. So that's, it was, you know, one hand washed the other, and it was very... Good to do during that time to get your name known. Not as, like today we have it social media. You can go on TikTok and hit a million people in a minute. But that wasn't the, the, the thing at that time. So with that said, I didn't know Audrey Hepburn. Other than that, later on she became a major star, obviously. I wish I did get to know her. I spent a lot of time with Grace Kelly, again because of my friendship with Sinatra, because we used to go over for the Red Cross Bowl all the time. 
I was at that ball every year that Frank went, I went, and um, until she died you know, with that terrible car accident. But that's uh, a great experience, and I'm glad that she brought this up. Gia from Australia. Yes. Uh, now, it happens to be my daughter's name, too, Gia. I know. But she doesn't live in Australia, so we know it's not your daughter. No, we know right. that. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, polio is making a comeback in New York State and elsewhere. And and when I heard this, I I, I read this about two weeks ago, and I forgot to mention that. I mean, we, we talk all the time, you and I. Right. I, I, didn't, I didn't mention it, but now I'm thinking about it. This, this must have some effect on you. It, it really does. In fact, yesterday I watched something, I think, on, on uh, one of the morning shows. And I'm, I'm actually want to see where this goes because I'd like to become an advocate for it and a spokesperson who survived it and shed some light on it so that we're not approaching the COVID epidemic in the dark like we've done the past two years and they didn't even know how to treat it. And uh, the one thing I know about polio is isolate yourself. And I wasn't privileged to get the vaccine until three and a half years later until they invented it. You know, uh, Dr. Jonas Salt. Yeah, yeah. Could you could you explain to the listeners about the uh, uh, what what priority they placed in a in a hospital polio ward, no less, on who got the vaccine and who didn't? Well, they didn't. It was like a a, a random pool. Six people got it, six people didn't, ten didn't, ten. You know, and I was, I was, at first, when they said they had an experimental drug and they were going to split the ward in half, ten beds and ten beds, I didn't get it. And I was already confused because I was an altar boy, and I thought if you prayed to God, he would take care of you. First of all, I didn't know why I was there. And <laughs> se- secondly, now why aren't you giving me the vaccine? Yeah. And fortunately, again... He indirectly must have been looking out for me because the first vaccine, which was never publicized, the experimental drug, the the student, I mean the students, the patients that got it, it escalated the virus and killed them all within seventy-two hours. So I mean, we're talking about a true experiment here. Yeah, well, this is nineteen fifty-three, and I, I I recall getting uh, uh, my shots. And you didn't have a choice. It wasn't like it is with COVID. Well, you know, you have a freedom of choice in this. You went to school and you rolled up your sleeve. And if they had to pin you down, (laughs) they would do that. You got it. And, you know, kids, they yell and scream. I didn't care. But uh, they they would pin kids down and shoot them up. One thing about that vaccine, I got it in 1953 and I'm still immunized. Yeah, and that's what they're worried about now. They they want to bring people in to make sure... That you're still immune because of the of the vaccine. Yeah, well, sixty four percent of people in New York State have been uh, immunized, and that was from back in the day. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. they haven't. Uh, and uh, and uh, what what they're concerned with is uh, internet bullshit. Basically, are going to scare people away from getting this polio vaccine. You don't want this disease. No, uh, no, that that I can attest to. Uh, it can kill you, but if it does it, you wish you were dead. Johnny, you're very lucky. No, I am. And you know, the other thing, while we're talking about it, I, I'm very close to a lot of Sephardic Jews. And we had this conversation just on 47th Street the other day. They do not believe in this, that, that, that vaccine for their kids. That vaccine or all vaccines? 
most vaccines. They don't believe really? them. Yep. Well, that's, you know, they can get away with it because they have their own school system. Yep. Uh, Hasidic Jews, their sex, they send kids to their own schools. I know. It's basically it's basically a larger version of homeschooling, and they can get away with not being vaccinated. But this, if this starts to spread, uh, this is a very deadly disease. And they, they thought it, it was eradicated with the salt vaccine. Well, I'm uh, going to tell you something that probably the mayor and the governor of New York don't want to hear. I walk. I walk every day, as you know, two to three miles. Sure. Yeah. And uh, we're hearing about the garbage, you know, not being picked up on time and all of this. And we've had a lot of rain, not the rain that we needed in inches. But I'm walking and I'm smelling the sewage and the curb sites, which is being sucked up by these garbage bags. That's yeah. how polio creates. It's yeah, in, rats. Rats and rats and sewage water. And that's well, it. There's a lot of rats in New York. I've seen pictures. Of Especially right now. Forget about it. They're all over the place. Well, because well, they're not picking up the garbage. Yep, there could be a looming disaster here, and, and people are just shrugging their shoulders. So I know. I mean, uh, you know, those of you, we have fifty thousand subscribers here, and those of you who are listening to this, if you didn't pay attention to the to, to getting a COVID vaccine, and that was your choice. If you haven't been vaccinated, uh, uh, you're doing yourself a big disservice. And this is a man who knows. So he won't tell you, but he just did. And I'm telling you to get this vaccine. Yeah, you don't please. want disease. You, you don't I mean, want I had a hard time. You know, when we were going through uh, uh, the process of, of writing the book, it was very difficult to hear what you went through. I mean, well, well you know, it, it was that time of the, of the, of the world. You know, they, we weren't as sophisticated as we are now. We don't have the communications that we have now. So, you know, what do you yell out the window? I have polio. It was, they, they were trying to keep it, a pro, you know, suppressed, basically, yeah. not to create a panic. Well, I tell you, Jonas Salk, who invented the vaccine, uh, gave away the copyright. He didn't make a dime off of it. He could have been a billionaire and he just gave it away. Yeah, yeah. That's well, the doctor. Well, that, that's that's what I was just about to say. That's when you had doctors and drug companies that were looking out for mankind, not for profit. Yeah. Well, times have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when, when I read that, uh, Jonas Salk just gave it away. Yeah. I, I greatly admire that, man. Anyway, uh, Gia from Australia, I hope we've answered your questions. And have very timely questions. Thank yeah, you for asking. Yeah, thank you. Okay, off we go. That'll happen here. Hold on a second. Oh, okay. Thank you for the mailbag opportunities. Uh, here's something that I'll, I know a little bit about. But anyway, uh, this is for uh, you and I, Gianni. Uh, do you have any insights into the relationship of Frank Pardue, or Purdue, the chicken producer, and Carlo Gambino as regards to uh, New York City's chicken monopoly in the 1970s? Do I, do I have it? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Even I, I have something to say about that. Oh, yeah, we all do. Well... The good news, they're giving uh, Carlo Gambino the credit for that, but it was actually Paul Castellano. Paul Castellano owned Western Beef and Markets, and he was cornering for a lot of, uh, without having to say why, he had all the meat in most of the restaurants in New York because they were told to carry it. And then Pardue wanted to do the same with chickens, and they did it with him, and that's how Paul wound up being... Even the Chicken King in New York, he sold out eventually to that. To uh, yeah, uh, his but after he passed away, his uh, his uh, son took over. 
for those of you who, who aren't uh, of a certain age, uh, Frank Perdue pushed his own uh, product in numerous television commercials. He looked like a chicken. <laughs> you recall, right, Johnny? Well, yeah, but I mean, that's why I gave up chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't eat chicken and went up looking like this guy. I mean, who knows? But anyway, uh, he became uh, a, an iconic figure. He was a, a celebrity just from these commercials. I used to frequent a, a restaurant, uh, in fact, right across the street from where you live now. Uh, called Il Caminetto. You oh, yeah, with it? Uh, sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, great. I mean, that was the, every Saturday night. That was a great uh, restaurant. I knew, the maitre I, I, I knew the owner very well. Frank Perdue was always in there with a different young woman, and I mean young. Frank, at that time, was had to be in his 70s. If these women were, were older than than, than 30, uh, it was it, 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 I'd be amazed. Young, young women. And uh, one day I was in there. He'd always come in there on Saturday nights. Not every Saturday night, like I was in there, but... Uh, He'd be in there often, and uh, he was sitting down with uh, John Gotti at one time. That I'm, I I'm sure, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, you know, John, when he was grooming himself, wanted to make sure that once nobody really knew his master plan of killing Paul and Tommy Bellotti, yeah, and uh, basically wanted to still control all of that. So I'm sure that John, you know, surrounded himself by all the big envelopes that were coming and who was giving them, and stayed friends with them. Yeah, it was a great restaurant. I really missed it. Too. Oh, my God. But anyway, yeah. I digress. All right, this is about time for a commercial, my friend. Yes, please. We need to make some money. Yeah. Don't move. We know where you are. We'll be right back. Cordelion Vodka on March 9th was picked as the best vodka for martinis in the world by the Rob Report. By calling 518-713-4050 or 518-713-4050. 220-9463. It could be shipped directly to your house. The finest vodka in the world by Rob Report. Okay, we're back. With more mailbags. And and, and and we're still here. That, yeah. That's a surprise. Hello. Yeah, we were going to leave, but we figured we'd stick around. Okay. Uh, here's here's a, a, a topic that you'll enjoy. Hi, guys. This is from James. James says, since watching The Offer and learning about the making of The Godfather, could you please do an episode on Robert Evans? The show portrays him to be one cool cat. Is and it? he was. That I know yeah. well, man. I know Bobby for many what do we have to say? What do we have to say about The Offer, if anything? I, I really don't want to make a comment right now. I, I had a four-hour meeting with my attorneys today, so... <laughs> They'll get all of you stay tuned because very shortly you're going to have my comments on the offer. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you. Anything? Uh, uh, can we do a show on Robert Evans? We never did. I don't know if I don't. You know, we could because Charlie, his brother, and him are dead. I mean, I don't know how many people know the brand Evans Pacone was them. They were in the wardrobe business. In fact, their brother invented the woman's stretch slacks with the stirrup under their heel to keep them down. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. Well, so that's them. Right that's Evans yeah. Bacone. Oh, we could I, definitely do a show on it because uh, it, okay. uh, one one thing about the Cotton Club, just one of his big movies, they all got arrested because one of the people on payroll was, was found dead. And the person that was found dead was the person that had the duty of supplying the cocaine for the cast 
on the Cotton Club. <laughs> yeah, the, there was always rumors about, particularly uh, Robert Evans liked his blow. Oh my God, yeah. But Charlie took the his brother Charlie took the took the beef though. Imagine that. He did. Yeah. Oh, they he did time. He went to jail. Yeah. Yep. Oh, geez. That's a good brother. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, okay. It no, happened anyway, during actually, the filming, so they wanted the filming to keep going, and somebody had to be given up. And I guess I don't know how they made made the deal. Someone volunteered them. Yeah. That said, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, we will definitely I, do a show no, on it. Yeah, I'll I'll do research on it, and uh, you know, we'll, but yeah, we'll do a show. So James, you gave us a show. I don't know what you're going to get out of that, except uh, it's going to make you feel better, I guess. Well, James, we'll, we'll, I'll make sure you get a copy of The Kid Stays in the Picture. How's that? There you go. Okay. That's Bobby Evans' famous book and movie. Okay. We have uh, an email from Teresa Altamore. That's her maiden name, I guess. Keynes. Uh, she's from Pennsylvania. This is also a long one, so I'm going to jump around here. It's the first time I'm reading it, so just, just bear with me. Dear Mr. Gianni Russo, I'm requesting that you that you take a moment to review this this uh, query letter and give insight or a name uh, on who I can contact. Okay, now we're going to go to who she is. Or well, maybe we're not. <laughs> Are we going to get uh, sued here? You know, like I said, we don't read these letters ahead of time for the, the surprise factor. Right, right. Spontaneous, uh, the spontaneous of it. Okay, this is a book about uh, unions in Philadelphia. And apparently, it's a it's a novel, fifty chapters, and it's uh, it's told through the eyes of uh, Jimmy Nuzzi, N U Z Z I, a former business agent for Local Thirty Roofers Union. He's the protagonist. He provides the narrative, but uh, apparently, it's very intricately researched. Uh, and she would like to send send us chapters if you'd be interested in hearing from us. She's looking for a blurb, I guess. Yeah, no, no, no. let's let's not get into this. Okay, I, the union. I, I know too much about that yet, and those unions are, they're, yeah. you know, that's a little nicky. Yeah. Okay. Hello. <laughs> well, it, 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 that was another question too. Uh, is, is his son almost got whacked years ago, but he he, he survived. But is he still? Uh, in the business, I'm hearing that. So I mean, she should go look, for, go to the neighborhood and ask him. Yeah, <laughs> leave us alone. We got our own problems. Yeah, yeah, Teresa, we have to be. Careful we don't have problems. That's what we don't want them. <laughs> but we'd have to, we have to be careful here, otherwise we'd be one of testifying for a grand jury. Say something like, "Yes, the book was great. I remember everything you wrote about it." Yeah, it's But thank you for the letter. Yes, please. Okay, this is from George, Gianni. Uh, thank you for the Cal Neva details concerning Marilyn. Earlier that summer, 1962, JFK was uh, set, uh, was set to host Frank Sinatra in Palm Springs. It was stated that RFK decided that the president should go to Bing Crosby's estate instead. Mr. Sinatra had done extensive renovations, including a heliport constructed just for the president, and was furious. Do you have any insights regarding this event? We, we have spoken about this in the past, but it's been a while. Yeah, but I know, I mean, you know, Pat, and I know more about that than most people because Frank and I were very close. And basically, Sam Gincana wanted to get Frank whacked because he said he, he had this guy under control. And I spent numerous nights with all of them at the Rat Pack at the Copa 
That's where, that's where they all wound up on the weekends in, in the Copa, not in New York, but the Copa at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. And then in Jack and Toronto's pool till the sun came up. But what happened, and most people don't realize, the mistake he made, and Pat eloquently wrote it in our book, he appointed his brother, Robert F. Kennedy, to be attorney general. Unbeknownst to John, because maybe he was on too much Percodan or Coke, that he didn't realize his brother didn't like him <laughs> and didn't yeah. like what he represented or what his father represented. And he went after all of them. And subsequently, the mob and the people, the union executives, didn't get what they were supposed to get by getting Robert F. Kennedy, I mean John Kennedy, elected president, which was to get the casinos back, which we mentioned numerous times. So we're really close to that. In fact, I have the last photograph of Sinatra and the president together because most people don't know Sinatra produced the inauguration balls, five of them for that president and got all the stars to show up. The last picture was taken then and then John Kennedy never saw Sinatra again in person and he lost his uh, back door key to the White House. and Well, well Sinatra, Sinatra was mortified. Oh, my God. I mean, you, you spent a couple of hundred grand on a heliport just for the, the president-elect. Not only and that, he, he he arranged for Secret Service quarters, everything. I mean, he was going, he was, he he went out with a, I mean, which was a, a joke, with a hammer and started breaking stuff. And you needed a sledgehammer and, and a bulldozer to destroy yeah. <laughs> Not a hammer. Yeah, uh, Sinatra was known to have a bit of a temper. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, okay, moving along. Thank you for that uh, email, George. I'm trying to bring up this next email. It doesn't want to bring it up. Okay, one second. Maybe James okay. Cohn is full. Okay, now we got uh, a few episodes back. I discussed uh, an interview that I had with the Central Intelligence Agency regarding possible employment as a polygraphist in Europe. And they uh, it wasn't like a regular job interview, for those of you who didn't hear that episode. They don't ask the usual questions. They they came out of left field with all these odd questions. They wanted to see how you, how you thought on your feet. One of the questions was, uh, you're a pilot on a commercial airliner going from point A to point B. And just for the sake of argument, they said, Washington State, to Dallas, Texas, somewhere. It doesn't make a difference, really. You're in the air. You're at, you're at 40,000 feet, and you're, 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 you get a, a message from the FBI that there is a, uh, there is a bomb on the plane uh, that's controlled by an altimeter. If you fly below, uh, below uh, 4,500 feet, the bomb will explode. What do you do? I know the so, answer because you gave it to me now. See that? Well, I gave it to you. But no, you gave it to I, everybody on the on air. Not at the time. I said to write, write. No, but, but three weeks later, you did. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it was already done. But anyway, we got we got answers. And uh, did anybody uh, get Denver? Is uh, he landed at Denver Airport, which is at an altitude of fifty four hundred feet. Perfect. And there was a uh, there was a hint, and the hint was the hound of the Baskervilles, and the the, the rationale behind the hint was. Uh, the main family, and it was the Sherlock Holmes novel, which I read numerous times oh. over the years. Uh, the name of the family was Stapleton, and the uh, airport, airport in Denver is the Stapleton Airport. 
Yep. So I was able to figure it out. But uh, and a couple of you did. So we got like four of these emails are, are, are commenting on that question, uh, at, uh, as is this. However, he also uh, has a question. This is Tom. I won't mention his last name. We don't mention last names on here if we possibly can. I did with the last I one. I know. I was wondering why you did. Well, because I figured maybe you knew who it was. No. No. Okay. Anyway, uh, Pat, uh, you spoke with some of your favorite writers. I can't seem to find the episode where you named them. All right. I'll go over them in a second. Uh, would you mind listening to them again if you have the time? I think one was a former colleague of yours who also helped you with your writing. I've read uh, Hollywood Godfather, Bloodshot Eyes, The Pop Line, as well as your police biographies, and I've thoroughly enjoyed them all. I also love Five Decembers by James uh, Castrell, which you recommended. Yeah, that book, I was really pushing that book, uh, particularly this is an unknown author who wrote a novel I was so impressed with that I, uh, I lobbied to get this book uh named as the uh as the novel of the year that's how impressed i was with it wow and this is the writers of america whom i do not have a good relationship with anymore because i walked out on them after the central park five episode and if you don't know what that is you can go back a few episodes because it would take me an hour to explain it but anyway it worked uh five decembers i'm sure i wasn't the only one who pushed it five decembers won for the best uh, uh novel of 2021 they're always a year behind so if anybody's interested in reading a f- just a phenomenal book, Five Decembers, that's F-I-V-E, and December's the month. These writers that you asked about, the one that helped me was a, a, a police lieutenant, William J. Cornitz, who, uh, who passed away many years ago. Uh, he was my uh, mentor in writing. He was a best-selling author, uh, a mega author. Uh, and he retired. He became very wealthy. But we, we were good friends. And I would pass my writing samples to him. And without him, I, I, I wouldn't have pursued this because he was a taskmaster. He didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. And I mentioned his uh, his favorite quote. I mean, I, w- I would give him writing samples, short stories, always pass it back, pass it back, give it back, go, ah, ah, bullshit, and pass it back. And then he gave me his highest compliment when I gave him a short story. He said, you know, this book doesn't suck very much. <laughs> Bill Cornett's Co- <laughs> Co- his highest highest uh, compliment. I really love that guy. He was a great guy. And if I had somebody that would always be saying what a great writer you are, I probably wouldn't be writing today. This is a guy who pushed me and taught me. And that's how you have to learn. Anyway, just wanted to say how much I enjoy the show uh, and from the interesting guest on or, j- or just the two of you talking. You make us listeners feel that we are right there with you and part of it all. All the best and I uh, hope you have many shows ahead. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom, for that. We yes, appreciate thank you it. Very much. Please. Okay. Oh, this is the guy who answers the uh, the aforementioned question about Denver Airport, but he also goes on to say, "This is Mike." Uh, Mike says, "I'm an 18 year old, 18 year patrol sergeant from New Jersey, and the eighth of uh, nine cops in the family. I'm wow. a big fan of the show." And love all things history, mafia, and all Hollywood. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Great. Very nice. Be careful on the job, Mike. Absolutely. Uh, it's getting crazy out there, especially crazy. in Newark. By the day. Okay. Okay. This is from James. Love the podcast and your engagement with the listeners. As someone who uh, is interested in finance, can you do a show on the economics of the mob? You're very... Hello. <laughs> you have a lot of information on this. Uh, in fact, 
Well, after we get through the email, I'm going to bring something up that we never talked about. I don't think that was that was in our book. But anyway, uh, uh, economics of the mob, rackets, how money gets kicked up, basically the business of the mob and how Johnny found success in his ventures. Thanks for all the stories and the wealth of knowledge. Yeah, let's do a show on that. Yeah, sure. And get indicted. Also, I, I don't believe we did a show uh, on the uh, on the marker business that you had. Okay, that, that that we could do because the statue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. we went we went through this entire book, but I don't recall doing a, a marker for those of you who don't know what it is. It's an IOU given to a casino, basically. But Gianni, and I always admired him for this, and I'm going to talk about him like he's not here. This guy can sell anything. Uh, he's got a brilliant <laughs> business mind. I mean, the, the, the things he's thought of over the years, uh, rap albums. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, we did it. But anyway, uh, he, he, he came up with this idea uh, involving uh, these casino IOUs, basically. And uh, it's a fascinating story. And we will discuss we should, that, we too. Should, we should do a show on that because that, yeah. that's just when Vegas was going to make the transition from yeah. corporations, from mob. And the mob yeah. was getting nervous. And so we'll save it. That's a great show. That's a great show. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, oh. and made a lot of money for me. Okay. So off we go. Next one. I need to send Gianni an email. Well, you just sent one. There you go. Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. That's his email address. There you go. So you sent one to the email address. Uh, that is Matthew. Uh, I, I got to ask you a question when the show is over regarding this email. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, See another son coming forward? <laughs> maybe, maybe you're a grandfather again. I don't even know it. Okay, who knows? God bless. Okay. Uh, this is from Steve. Now, he asked us to give his last name, so we're going to give it. My last name is Corrado, C-R-R-A-D-O. I believe my grandfather... This is what I don't understand, but I guess we can figure it out. I believe my grandfather played his part, probably in, in the rackets. He, he uh, lived in the Beacon, New York area, about an hour north of the city. Could you give me any inf info on my last name, uh, should you have come across it? I can't. You may okay. have, because you were OCB for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. I always thought uh, 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 Corrado was a state next to Utah, No. No, that, no, they, no, there was a Corrado, a, a singer, a good singer in New York, and he, he was really good, and then he had diabetes and unfortunately died. But Well, maybe maybe you just gave uh, Steve information on his family. Okay, probably, maybe an uncle. What uh, kind of singer? I mean, you like No, clubs? a lounge singer, a lounge singer. Oh, okay. On yeah. 58th Street. Not, not a singer giving up people. <laughs> not not a Joe, not a Valachi singer. <laughs> this, this is why I had to ask. Yes, yeah, right. okay. You, you never know. All right. Okay, we have another uh, another answer for the Denver thing, so we'll skip that one. No. Uh, okay, this is from Gene. That's with a G. You all do such a terrific job. There's only two of us. But anyway, you all do such a terrific job on your marvelous podcast. Johnny, your stories about people uh, most of us only knew through the media are fascinating. I have a few questions about Mal Monroe. Are you planning to see the new movie about her coming out soon? Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a streaming 
film on HBO, I believe, is getting a lot of hype. It, it, it could be already out for all I know, but I don't think so. I, uh, I, I wouldn't I, watch it. I didn't even watch the Netflix one. Okay. Uh, what was she like in her daily life when she wasn't working? Uh, what does she like to talk about? What TV shows did she like? What does she like to read? Did she have favorite snacks or was always worried about her weight? I think it's the last thing she was worried about. Hello. That she kind ate. of thing. Give me personal insights to Marilyn. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it's. I think we've done this before, but Marilyn. Yeah, we have. Mar Marilyn is just a simple person. Once she's not on screen, and you see in person, and if she likes you, that's it, it. Is what she is, man. She's just Marilyn Monroe, and just wants to be a normal person. Wants to be the girl next door, and just hugged and cuddled, and that's it. Now, her, her, uh, you know, the, the, the definition of a of a sex symbol now. It's quite different from what it was in her heyday. Oh my she God! Was Hefty, she was hefty. You know, a zoftic woman. But zoftic. most of them were at that time. You know, I mean, I, I I saw so many of them hanging around the Copa even during that time. You know, Jane Russell. All these girls were big girls. That's why when you saw them together on stage, they looked thin. They were all together the same. Yeah, a lot of them were. You know, but that's when women had meat on the bone. Now you get splinters. <laughs> well, styles, styles change. You know, uh, who was it that said it was, a, the, it was Babe Paley, the, the, the wife? How do I remember this? Shit? Anyway, uh, Babe Paley was the wife of William Paley, who uh, ran CBS from its inception when they started television oh, wow. in the late 40s for the duration until he passed away. But Babe Paley once said, you can never be too thin or too rich. That's true. That was the quote. And I, I added to that. Many years ago, can't be too oh. thin, too rich, or too tan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I tell you. Uh, well, we can do another one. Okay. Uh, uh, this is uh, from Richie. Goes on about the, the uh, question I asked about Denver, and uh, he said at the end of the email after saying, "Oh, Denver's the answer." And all this. I'm not a private. I'm not a private investigator. I do not want to become one. I just like a good riddle. You guys have a great show. I love listening to it every week. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you guys. Everybody that participated tonight. This is what we want. We want to interact with our listeners. We definitely want to hear what you want. And you get we got two great shows to, that you basically turn the light bulb in our brain to say, well, why haven't we done these shows? So we got two yeah, shows well, we're going to do. Well, we will do some research on the uh, Bob Evans, and as far as the finances of the mob, Johnny uh, can uh, uh, give you the oral history in his sleep. Yeah, but I don't do. I no, I think that one will stay away from. I was talking about the markers. I think okay. the, the marker show on Bobby Evans is safe. Do, okay. Given the finances of the mob, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, you know, we discussed we discussed some of it in the book, but we've also discussed yeah. it uh, in, in uh, a lot on the show. Which was your uh, your trips back and forth with uh, with the Vatican? Moment. Yeah. So, so I mean, we, we, what? And, and that's a good answer for that to whoever's listening to us. What we were able to disclose in the book without getting in trouble, you already know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, the Marcus story is in the book. Uh, for yeah. those of you who have read it, which is mostly everybody's listening to this, but uh, Johnny will go through it. We'll elaborate. We'll take them step by step, and you may yeah. want to get into just hold it. This is there may be a job opportunity for somebody. 
You can do this right now with corporate markers. Yeah. Markers are not allowed to go into state to collect money because you are inducing a vice. You're not allowed to, to advertise gaming, then you come and lose at it, and then you want to shake the guy down for losing the money in your club. But there's a thin there's a thin line how you can get away with it. And okay, and we, we will discuss that. So we okay, we have a bunch of shows that all right. That's that's fifty minutes, my friend. I love it. And you thank went. you, all of you out there. Without you, we don't have a show. We'll be talking about our past. <laughs> yeah, you know, without this show, we'd actually have to go out there and work. We don't want to do that. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going on 80. I never had a steady job. I don't want one now. <laughs> there you go. When I got out of the police department, I said I, I, I never wanted to work for anybody again. There you go. Yeah. So far, so good. Anyway, okay, Johnny, have a good night. You uh, too. Thank you. Everyone out there, play it safe, man. Get vaccinated. Don't walk the streets late at night by yourself. I don't, there's so many things to look out for now today. It's amazing, man. It's like the yeah. 60s and 80s all over again. And if you didn't survive it and didn't know it or live through it, be careful. God bless you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Good night. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me Thank you for I'll tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.